93.3 KXNO. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you. It's a Thursday. We got a big day of basketball here on the program over the next couple of hours. Ken continues his vacation. He'll be back next week. But before then, I've been bringing in a couple of new voices for people to hear the last couple of days. It's been Cody Goodwin of the Des Moines Register. Of course, a lot of wrestling conversation with Cody as we talked uh, plenty about the Iowa-Penn State duel. Took a look at Iowa State and also you and I as they prepare for big weekend for both those programs going down to Oklahoma this week. But of course, I'll look towards the national tournament. But from wrestling, it's time to get into basketball. When I'm talking basketball, there's only one dude. It's my guy, you hear him on the broadcast here on KXNO with our high school hoops. He is John Lamb. What's happening, Lamb? Man, I wear my size 15s. These are big shoes to fill. Cannot be in here. That's what's, what, that's what's going on, TC. Well, we got a lot to talk about here today. Of course, we're going to break down the Iowa State overtime victory last night against Oklahoma State. Drake getting it done. Uh, overtime battle for them. And, of course, coming down to the wire in that one. And you and I holding on and getting a road victory against Evansville. So we've got a lot of basketball to talk about. You and I have seen a ton of basketball so far this winter. And uh, well, before we get into it, though, just for the audience, uh, break it down a little bit. John Lamb, get to know John here. like to do this with our guest hosts that come in from time to time. So, first of all, how I know you is your basketball program, Beyond Ball, uh, nonprofit entity that you have out there, along with Handel University. So, you work in the basketball realm day in and day out. It's not just uh, hopping on the mic for a couple hours doing high school hoops with me. Fill us in a little bit of kind of what your day-to-day looks like. Yeah, just basketball all the time. You know, whether it's phone calls with college coaches, I, I run a scouting service, I do, you know, individual training. We have skill development classes at my facility, um, basketball, scouting, advanced scouting, just anything to make the game and a little bit better and to grow it a little bit more. You've had a lot of great players that have come through your program and had an opportunity to go out to Vegas for you for an AAU tournament, a grassroots tournament uh, this past July. It was a group that you kind of started with and fun time. I did the games on YouTube for your guys' YouTube channel, but just seeing the development that you've had with these kids, some guys that are going to go on and play collegiately, both at the D1 level and some different levels too. But I, I just I got to, for the first time, really see what it means to you to you know be a coach and be a mentor for these young guys. And certainly with that under-17 group that are now, what, mostly seniors, few juniors still in that class, but just what that group meant to you. It was a real fun experience. Yeah, it was great. They loved having you. Um, you know, They loved being on the mic after the game. These games are huge. There's college coaches in the stands. You know, they're communicating with these men all the time, trying to, you know, court them, show them their school. And it's great that uh, you got to experience that because at the end of the day, if we can instill confidence, these young people um, give an opportunity to get an education, further their lives, we're making the world a better place. Well, with that, John, we're going to talk a lot of basketball here, as I mentioned at the top. Coming up today on the BMW Des Moines guest list, 1030, bottom of the hour, we're going to talk with Shelby Mast. He is the resident bracketologist here, not just for Miller and Connor, but you see him on USA Today in the Des Moines Register when they put the bracketology out. Shelby Mast is the guy that they do, and uh, we'll get his thoughts. And, of course, Iowa State, where they sit, such an important victory for them on the road last night. 
Iowa, what a victory tonight against Purdue would do for them. And then take a look at the MVC and then the national scene that's coming up at 1030 with Shelby Mast, our bracketologist. And then I'm excited for this. Fran McCaffrey, the Iowa basketball coach, he's going to join us to kick off the second hour of the program here about 11.05. Fran will jump on, talk about, of course, the matchup with Purdue and a whole lot of other things. So it's interesting. I think, John, you know me incredibly well now. We talk so much hoops together. I'm a huge Fran McCaffrey fan. I am. I don't think people on the outside maybe realize the difficult nature of the Iowa basketball job. And for people certainly older than you and more of my age range, you think of the greatness of the 80s. You think of George Raveling from Lute Olson into George Raveling to Dr. Tom and early on. But you look now over the last basically 30 years, this is what Iowa basketball is. If you get them at the right spot, they're going to make the NCAA tournament more times than not. You're going to win a game there and still just waiting for that breakthrough moment. And until that happens, until he can get Iowa basketball to the Sweet 16 and just get to that second weekend, I still just think that there are people out there until that happens, regardless how good they are in the regular season, last season what they did, until he can get to that second weekend, there's still going to be plenty of naysayers out there with Fran. Yeah, you know, it's always great to have healthy expectations. It's it's a privilege. Pref- pressure's a privilege. And, you know, the way Fran does his offense, the way he recruits, the way he cultivates relationships, you know, Fran does so much more than just win games and, and position this team year in and year out to be successful. He builds he builds players. He develops players. Fran uh, Fran's one of a kind when it comes to, you know, just the professionalism that he has and, and how he operates his program. It's uh, a couple of things, though, day in and day out that I'm going to ask Fran about. Of course, the two-foul rule. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> Your favorite. Yes, I, I know he has answered that before. And another thing, I, one of my other biggest knocks against Fran just uh, as, as the program, and again, I'm a Fran guy. I don't think people realize the difficult nature of the Iowa basketball job. But in the past, the way that he built the schedule, and it was so many of those teams you know, in the 300s of the RPI, well, that doesn't matter anymore. And I, I get this seemingly every year when the schedule comes out. Oh, look, hey, Trent, are you going to yell about this again? No, because when the NCAA moved from the old RPI system, which is frankly just a schedule-based metric, to the net that takes offensive and defensive efficiency into account, it wasn't the big deal that it once was, but I do have some scheduling questions for Fran. I want to talk about that. Of course, the 8 o'clock tip-off tonight. There's still, I think, just under 3,000 tickets remaining for Carver tonight, which is frustrating to see, but I get it. You know, I was talking about going over to the game, maybe taking my daughter to her first uh, Iowa game in a couple of years, but it's 8 o'clock start. I'm Best-case scenario, you're out there at 10.15, back to your car. You're in traffic for at least another 15, 20 minutes, and you're getting back to Des Moines, little before one o'clock well not everyone's tough enough to do this basketball life trend that's <laughs> right. what i know and it sounds right. like uh you know if you had a driver a chauffeur right. that's to what take i need you you can take a nap on the way there right um it's it's not easy you know scheduling's tough Scheduling's very difficult and a lot of this scheduling stuff happens with you know relationships that he has some of the old schools some of his old you know assistants um mentors that he's had i mean you know it's it's never easy um but it seems like they're always ready when big 10 play comes yeah, absolutely. And a big one for them, trying to get their first quad one victory of the season with Purdue. We'll break that down. Fran McCaffrey at 11.05. Before we get into the basketball, a little breaking news here, and I have to say I'm excited about this one. The Bears have hired their new coach. Of course, yesterday it was Ryan Poles announced as the new general manager, and they're going to go with the Colts defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, will take over as the head coach, going back to the defensive-minded coach to come in there. Of course, the biggest question is going to be, for me, who's he going to bring as the OC? Who's going to be the offensive coordinator and run things there? 
It's an organization that I have been beat down for. As a fan, I've just been so beat down over the last seemingly 35 years <laughs> since the 85 Super Bowl that I, I don't get overly excited about them anymore. My expectations as a fan are always tempered, but when you look to the three finalists for this head coaching job, this is the one that I think I was the most excited about. You had Jim Caldwell, who is a retread. Same thing with Dan Quinn. And then Eberflus. New name. I'm excited about it. And, well, the first swing here for the new GM is he's going to go this route. Guy that's very well respected, has been along the, around the league for a long time, and Matt Eberflus will be the new guy. Who's your NFL team? I don't even know. Man, I, I like uh, I like the Chiefs. You know, I've only been to one football game other than the Chiefs Stadium. I went to the Detroit Lions game this year to watch TJ play when they mm-hmm. kicked that 66-yard field goal. So I'd have to say the Chiefs or the Lions. Um, but you know, I'm a fantasy guy. Yeah. So whoever whoever's putting up points, whoever's going to make me some money at the end of the season, <laughs> I'm a little partial towards. Yeah, I, I get that too. I certainly understand it. So of course uh, we'll have David Kaplan on next week. We'll break that down and see uh, maybe a little more Bears conversation, and we'll get Jeff Hughes, our other Bears guy, on here and uh, talk a little bit about the changes in the organization for the Chicago Bears. Let's get into it, John, and uh, talk about what we saw last night as Iowa State. Gets the job done on the road as they knock off Oklahoma State 84-81 in overtime. It was a game that felt back and forth throughout. There were those moments, can you get a little bit of a lead? Can you stretch that one out from four points up to you know six or seven? It just seemingly never happened. It was tight throughout, but ultimately, Isaiah Brockington. We know about the mid-range game, and it was beautiful again. That one that put him up three with about a minute and a half left in overtime. Just such a tough shot, but... If he can shoot the basketball, and he's been a decent shooter from three because of their limitations behind the arc, I see myself at times just screaming, need to get Brockington behind the line a little bit more. And he's so good off the dribble, but tell us what you see in his game. Well, you know, first and foremost, I, I thought it was amazing. There was 15 ties in this game. I mean, the intestinal fortitude that Iowa State showed on the road in a very tough arena was very impressive. I was at 28 lead changes. Mm-hmm. They never stretch it past four, but they were always competing. I mean, even overtime, up, down, you know, you like to see that. You like to see that, especially this time of year. And, you know, TJ's personality is rubbed off on these guys. Their defensive prowess, the, the way they, they switch, they move, they, they defend, they guard, they keep the ball in front, they, they play without fouling. It's just a matter of time that that tough, hard-nosed, offensive side of the game hopefully just kind of assimilates into their identity as well you know one of the things to put the game away the two free throws from Trey Jackson the Oklahoma State had a couple of looks there at the end too but a guy that has been around the program now his third season and saw it last night didn't even think about it this is the first time that he's won a road game in the Big 12 yeah it's it's huge I mean I, I read from Cyclone Fanatic this morning um 11 months since, since he shot a free throw Really, I, I, I'd wow. it'd go out right off the back of the rim if I pulled up the free throw line. <laughs> right. That's what I know, and it just again, it's just the the heart that they have. It's just what's instilled through their culture, night in, night out. You know, day by day in the practice facility, the Sioux Cup practice facility. It doesn't surprise me. You know, some people leave when new coaches come. He sticks around. I mean, just a team guy, and it's it's great to see that. You know, he taps in and he makes some two two huge free throws. Maybe the biggest free throws of the season for state. We saw last night also a decision to go with the change in the starting lineup. Now, ultimately, you know as a coach, John, it's about who finishes the game, not who starts it. But it's important. It's important for a lot of players. And go out there and start with Robert Jones, who gave them some good minutes. I thought passed the ball well. I was surprised, though, to see that he ended up the game, what, with five assists in the game. So he was getting those double teams when they came, get it out there, get it to shooters, find an ability to get that done. But 
Make that decision. How tough is that for a coach? Knowing, yeah, you're on a two-game losing streak. You let one get away against TC over the weekend. But to make that call and to sit down with George Conant and say, hey, you're going to be coming off the bench. And then on the other side, probably the elation for Robert Jones, a guy, I'll tell you, the first six weeks of the season said, oh, boy, maybe they even made a mistake. I need maybe know they need to go bodies. back to Denver. Right, right. But the Big 12 <laughs> is too big for him. The way he's played over the last two weeks, though, he's taken a big step forward. Take us in the behind the scenes a little bit in the basketball world to go in through that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of a byproduct of some of their early season wins and success, in my my opinion. It's a team first guy. You know, George Conda getting off, uh, you know, starting and then not starting. I mean, it just shows his maturity. It shows the buy-in for all the guys on the squad. It's really, really encouraging to see that TJ has that uh, ability to just get the most out of his guys. As far as if it's difficult or not, no, you're here to win. You know, they're paying this guy to win, and I know that he's putting in the work, and he's putting the work with these guys individually. I know he's meeting with them, you know, whether it's once a week or once every other week. They're all on the same page. They're rowing in the same direction. And that, that's really exciting as they you know get their first big-time road win in the Big 12. Not only that, but then you also saw the guy that was benched, if you will, mm-hmm. came off the bench. And George Condon put together, certainly offensively, his get, best game of the season. He was outstanding out there. He was physical. He also was passing the ball well, had a couple of block shots. But any kind of bonus, you know, any kind of points you get, I think, from this inside group, those two guys is a little bit of a bonus. This is still a perimeter offensive-based team. But Condit didn't sulk, didn't whine, just went out there. And when he got his minutes, he went in there and you could see right away he was playing hard. Right, and these guys are chasing a professional dream. Like, they're chasing the capacity to provide for their families playing the game they love. And, you know, for his maturity to come and then come off the bench and go four for four, I mean, that's incredible. Get eight rebounds, hit a couple free throws. It's it's what will catapult these guys into you know hopefully uh, we're talking Sweet 16 um, 30 round of 32 if he continues to play defense like we all know he can you know straight up hands high on the floor blocking shots disrupting offenses you know it's it's really nice to see him anchor that way and it's really nice to see that um, Jones can come in and sub him out you know these guys run TJ does a great job of making these guys rim run. Lane to lane, whole way down, and they get tired, and they do such a great job defensively that it's nice to see that they have a backup and a little bit of sub. Let's get out to the full lines right now. You can join us here, 284-5966, talking some hoops. John Lamb in for Ken. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. Let's get out to Jeff. He wants to talk some Cyclones with us. What's happening, Jeff? Hey, not much, guys. I just, you guys have already touched up on a lot of stuff. I just want to throw my uh, nuance in the mix, but first, uh, first true road win in the Big 12 in three years. I think it was a 25-game stretch there where they can, you know, finally get in the win column. I thought that was massive. I believe, in my opinion, it was kind of a must-win for them on that slide. Mm-hmm. Um, so throughout the game, my biggest guy, I, I want to say it was the freshman Hunter. He had some key turnovers in overtime, yeah. but you know what? He kept going. He went on his left and he dunked one, flushed it hard in overtime. Kept being aggressive. He could have just shied away and hid in the corner um, and didn't really want the basketball. He didn't do that. Um, I believe he had 18. He was probably second in scoring. Um, he, to me, with Brockington is huge. If we can get that legit second score on a, a day-to-day basis, on a game-to-game basis, I think it's going to be huge. Um, you know, and with that, you know, that's a game – where you look back, and that could be a turning point. Now, they got Missouri on Saturday, take it or, le- take it or leave it. They're really not that big of a deal to me. But you got Kansas coming up, and we're looking forward. But you win that game with Kansas, 
You know Hilton's going to be rocking. Yeah. You know Hilton's going to be rocking this weekend. And then we can kind of forget about that stretch they had. But getting this win in the middle of the season is absolutely massive to me, especially on the road. Absolutely. Right on, Jeff. And good point. The road victory, just winning on the road is so important. And it doesn't matter what conference you're talking about, but also the difficult nature of it in conference play. John, when you talk about this and you see you know, games where, how does Purdue lose to Rutgers at the rack? Well, now the, what is it, not the Jimmy John Center, the <laughs> Jersey Mike Center, now that it's called. How does a team that talented like Purdue go on there? When you're going through and you play college basketball, you know, why is it? It doesn't matter if we're talking about the Ohio Valley or the Big 12 or the WCC. Why are those road victories, even against teams that you are decidedly better than, why is it so difficult? Well, you have to be almost perfect on the road, you know, and, and you have to be 10 points better most often and full transparency. Some, sometimes it's easier to get up. You know, when I played at uh, Moorhead State, it's easier to go play Murray State, to go mm-hmm. play Belmont, to go play these league leaders. And then you know, go into excited. Eastern Illinois. Right. Like, I uh, mean, not only is that drive just terrible, mm-hmm. um, but it is a drive and you're there and it's not as exciting and there's not as many fans. And, you know, you know that you, you either let one down or, you know, you want to do a little bit better. It's these games really when you can kind of get these road wins. Um, it, it just it's monumental for the growth of the team and for the growth through the through the season and, and the ability to not falter. You know, these 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 games that that are very difficult to win back to back, you know, everybody can get up for Kansas. Everybody can do those things. But the maturity and, and, and postseason play, I mean, you have to be ready to go all the time. And it's great to see teams constantly working through those um, highs and lows. No one wants to lose at Rutgers. I mean, that's that's a given. Um, but I know those locker room talks are catalysts to you know growth throughout the rest of the year. And we just heard from Jeff there. Of course, Missouri, they're yep. not very good this year. And that program for... Yeah, what happened to those guys? What it was. I mean, you think of the days and going back to Norm and We need that Quinn program. Snyder back there. <laughs> well, I don't think he's leaving his job for uh, going back there. Quanzo Martin, that guy just, he keeps falling up, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And you know, he he's done great. He's impacted a lot of lives. Um, but you got to win at these high levels. You you know, you got to produce. You're getting paid. Everyone likes to stay home. I mean, your kids like private school. You like to drive that free Range Rover whatever it is. I mean, you have to produce and it's it's disheartening to see, but it's always nice to know that our team can can use that game as a as another win to put in the column to keep moving forward throughout the year. 14 years for Quanzo Martin as a head coach. He has won NCAA tournament games in one of them. Wow. Keeps getting jobs. Not bad. He can get dudes. Yeah, he can get players. He gets players year in, year out. That's that's for sure. That's what Iowa State has on tap, and then that Kansas game next Tuesday. And what Hilton is going to be, that environment, oh boy. That's oh, it's what, awesome. That's uh, what it's you're unbelievable there. And uh, it's going to be great coming up next Tuesday. So Iowa State gets the win. Mentioned that. Uh, let's jump over to the MVC schools, starting with the early game, watched a lot of the first half before the Iowa State game started and then tapped into it during halftime to watch the end. You and I gets it done 64-59. They jumped out to an early lead, looked like, all right, they're going to control it. It's a Licklider Evansville team. You know they're going to be terrible, and they're not very good, and they're not fun to watch. But you and I in this game, Noah Carter wasn't at the best that we've seen him recently. It wasn't a huge A.J. Green game. He still finished with 18, shot the ball well. But one thing that I've seen from A.J. here as of late, he seems like he is becoming more of a facilitator, certainly than what we saw early in his career. Yes, he's going to get his shots and he's going to get his points. That's what A.J. Green does. But I think we're seeing a more of a growth out of him of becoming 
more of a point guard where it's about getting those other guys involved. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he wants to be a pro. He wants to make money doing this. He's got to be efficient. I'm looking at his stat line right now. He's 7 for 14 from the field, 4 for 6 from 3. You know, he's got three assists, but he made a lot of, you know, hockey assists. One more to the next one and, and an easy bucket. He just wants to win. You know, that's what I admire about A.J. Green. You know, he can shoot it. He can score. But he's not being, you know, a selfish trying to, you know, go win player of the year in any regard. He's trying to win. He's trying to get get team wins, and he's doing his best um, night in, night out, getting that done. A couple of youngsters I want to get your thoughts on, too, for you and I that I know you know very well. Bowen Bourne, of course, just down the road from us. Down in Norwalk, was all MVC freshman team a year ago. Got throwing a lot more minutes probably than was anticipated with that A.J. Green injury. And then the other one, Cole Henry. I love Cole's game. I absolutely love it. I'd like to see him get more minutes for Coach Jake. I just There's something about him. He's piscity. I mean, he's rail thin. He's gotten stronger, though, and I'm sure that's a part of it. But it just feels like in the development of him going forward is going to be so impactful. If you and I is kind of going to get back to that level that we've seen in the past, I think Cole Henry is going to be a big part of that. Absolutely. His best basketball is ahead of him. And you can actually see his jump in, in his game this offseason. You know, he's a little bit more serious. He has gained a little bit more weight. I, I really think the ceiling's high for that kid. I love that he comes off um, with his left hand. He drives hard. He's he's really good at getting angles. He's a blossoming shooter as well. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just you know put his head down and go. And you know you and I is notorious for having those six eight six nine. I call them hybrid foremans. Where you know you think about Koch a few years ago, mm-hmm. player of the year. They just get the job done. And the way that Ben Jacobson opens up the offense, um, drives downhill, and, and finds shooters is is going to be really conducive for Henry's success. And Bourne, he, he's big. Like, you know, I was watching the Valparaiso game maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, and I could see in his shoulders, he's getting stronger. Mm-hmm. And he's so feisty and quick and wiry, and, you know, his hands are strong, and he's, you know, his fast twitch muscles are, are really, really developed as well. I like him. And, you know, he's a freshman again. And right, know, the, yeah. the COVID year is a blessing to some of these guys. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, he kind of got thrown in the fire with A.J. Green's injury last year. It's for the better. You know, these kids deserve chances. And it never surprises me when good people get good things happening to them um, as they walk into those college doors. Uh, Heisey is another one of those guys. Seeing him thrust into that lineup a year ago, I thought the scene was too big. Minnesota kid. And I said, boy, I, I don't know if this is going to be a guy that they're going to continue to pipe into that Minnesota pipeline and find another you know, Mark Son and Eric yep. Coleman. I mean, they went up there and got so many great players throughout the years. But he has really developed here in his second year, but also a freshman because of that COVID year. Future looking pretty bright for you and I, but they're thinking about the now, certainly with A.J. Green trying to make a run, and they're going to have to do it down in Arch Madness to get it done. Drake on the other side, they get the victory and a crazy end-of-game sequence as they hold it off. So... Got a lead, leading it by one, and they foul DeVries. All right, two free throws, and then he can play the foul or defend game after he knocks them both in. Tucker misses both free throws. That doesn't ever happen. No. That kid can shoot the crap out of the basketball. And not just missing one, but missing two, so it's a one-point game. Any bucket beats you, and Tramel Murphy gets the block shot at the horn as they get the victory on the road at Illinois State. Certainly a huge one, and now back-to-back road wins for Drake. You can feel that lull that they had towards the beginning of the season. Roman Penn, of course, had the injury. He's back now. It feels like Drake, they were the preseason favorite in the MVC, and now it feels like they're kind of building back to that level that was expected before the year. Yeah, you know, Roman Penn is still not healthy. I mean, he's he's tough as nails. He's playing through a really bad um, injury right now, and, and he's doing whatever it takes to help his team win. You talk about Murphy, the senior from Griffith, Indiana, 
that's just a big time senior play. You know, they they're resilient. He played through, you know, contact. He's played through a whole bunch of stuff, and he did an amazing job staying strong and blocking that shot. And that's that's the game. You know, defense wins. And regardless of Tucker's missed free throws, I mean, I don't see him missing again, probably for the rest of his career. But um, it, it's great to see Drake uh, again go on the road and and get a win in a tough spot. It's never easy to to win at Illinois State. And finally, Garrett Sturts. Who? Oh yeah, Sturtsy. I think it was maybe you and I that saw him the first time. I can't remember if we knew each other at the time, but I just remember watching him at the state tournament and knowing athletically he doesn't wow you. He's never going to be a guy that jumps off the page. He's not going to be taking the dime off the top of the backboard, anything like that. But he just knows how to play the game. That basketball IQ is through the roof. And another one last night, he gets a double-double, 14-11, and couple assists, just... He does everything to help a basketball team out. Yeah, he does. And I knew he was going to be successful. He used to drive 37 minutes from Newton to come do workouts twice a week at my gym. And you could just tell that he was just so hungry to get better. So it just was so important for him to just, you know, reach his maximum potential. And you look at it, you know, 14 points, 11 rebounds, nine defensive rebounds. He's rebounding down. He's active. He's putting his nose with the big dogs. And, And again, three steals. I mean, that's huge. That's, mm-hmm. that's you know, disrupting the offensive flow like that, um, you know, getting in passing lanes, anticipating. It's great to see him have success, too, because that dude is a worker. Yeah. And worker, you can tell worker. That from the get go, just knowing the game and the way the effort that he puts in every single time. An easy guy to root for, no doubt, for Drake. Now they have Loyola coming to town on Sunday, one o'clock tip off at the Nap Center. Get out there, watch his Drake team. They're playing good basketball and should be a fun environment over the Nap Center Sunday. Yeah, if I could give any advice to anyone listening out there, you know, go, go check it out. The Nap Center is a great arena. The team's good. Loyola's unbelievable. They were just ranked 22nd. I know they fell on the road, but. Mm-hmm. They lost to Missouri State, and you know Isaiah Mosley. I mean, he's oh. he's scoring like forty a game. He's an unbelievable basketball player. That's you know a freak occurrence. But this is going to be some very high level basketball if you can make it out to the Nap Center this weekend. Yeah, Mosley was great in that game. He had forty two. Of course, he got Gage Prim, who feels like he's been around for about a decade at Missouri State. Missouri State, another team that's got some dudes. It feels like the top four now is pretty well cemented in the MVC. It's you and I, Drake, Loyola, Missouri State. Those are the four. I think they'll. Probably the only four that have a chance to win it all when we get down to St. Louis. Is that fair? I would I would err on that side. I think that's that's probably a correct assessment. Um, but I don't even know out of those four. I mean, it's so it's right. it's so top heavy. Um, I, I watched Valparaiso, like I said a few weeks ago. They have some really nice pieces. Um, you know, they shocked you and I, like I said a few weeks ago. But you know, Loyola is good. Drake's good. Missouri State's good, and you can never count out the the Panthers in March. Going to be fun, no doubt, as we count down to March, but plenty of basketball before that. When we come back on the other side, we're going to look towards March, and we're going to look towards the brackets, as we're going to hear from our bracket guy. Shelby Mast will join us from USA Today. Bracketwag is his website, bracketwag.com. We'll get into where he's got the Hawkeyes, the Cyclones. How about that MVC and take a look at the national scene? That's coming your way next as we come back on the other side. Before that... Trying to give away $1,000 right now. It's your chance at $1,000 with the $1,000 slam dunk from KXNO. Just go to KXNO.com right now and put in the keyword. You'll see it pop up. It is money. Money at KXNO.com. Your chance at $1,000. We'll come back on the other side. Talking brackets with Shelby Mast as we continue. John Lamb in for Ken. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3.net. Back to Miller and Condon. On 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. 
Rolling through a Thursday edition. Miller and Cotton, Trent Cotton here. John Lamb in for Ken. Johnny Ray, talk some brackets. Yeah, but I, I called in and I won the $1,000. Yeah, Where not, do I collect that That's at? That's not how it works, no. Oh. It's a good try. KXNO.com is where you go. That's where you get the opportunity to do it. And if you see a phone call from a number that you don't recognize, maybe pick it up. Again, the keyword is money. KXNO.com, your chance to win $1,000. And I think now that you're on the mic, John, you're not eligible either. Dang it. Yeah, I know. Didn't the lottery do that a few years ago and it all worked out fine? <laughs> well, that's, that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> We're going to talk some NCAA tournament brackets right now with our bracketologist. He is Shelby Mast. You see him, USA Today, Des Moines Register, all the Gannett papers when they put it in there. And he joins us as he does each and every week as we count down to March. Shelby, as always, appreciate your time. What's happening down in Texas? Well, can I get another $1,000? You can. See what I'm saying? You're eligible, yes. Shelby. Yes, KXNO.com. Your chance to win. All right. That's what you're going to do right after. Well, Shelby, I uh, always enjoy, of course, your updated bracket every single day. I take a peek at it, just see teams that are in, teams that are out, the movement that happens. And you usually put you know, a sentence or two together just about what changed there. And the one that jumped out to me is I was watching Providence last night. And I love Coach Cooley. That dude, he is just an easy guy to root for. You can see how much players like playing for him. But you made a comment about their net, their net ranking still being at 41. You watch that team, and you also look at their resume. That's a surprise. So take us inside the numbers. How is Providence only ranked number 41 right now in the net? I don't know. I mean, this is NCAA's baby, so maybe they can explain it better, but that's a good team. Yeah. That is that is not – they moved up to 33 today. Okay. But still, they're outside the top 20. That doesn't make sense to me. A team with that has the wins, they've got eight wins versus Q1 to Q2. Jeez. That, that, that's crazy that they'd be down that low, but in all their wisdom, the NCAA knows what's best. <laughs> well, I will tell you one thing. The net is a whole lot better than the RPI, at least in my book. Do you agree with that? <clears throat> I'm still torn. I The fact that we don't know what all goes into the net makes me a little wary. Uh-huh. And it has that learning portion to it, to where it learns whether what what teams are good or not through the years, or through the year. I can't believe that a computer can tell me that Team A is better than Team B, you know, without putting numbers to it. I, I, I you know, with RPI, we knew what the formula was. And it was set, and that was that. It wasn't always perfect, but there's not a perfect system. Uh, I I would tend to lean towards RPI, but, you know, I, I just don't know. Without knowing everything about the net, I can't be sure. I'm with you, Shelby. I think it has a little bit of a lure of the whole college football thing, where there's some uncertainty. You don't really know all the all the bits and pieces, which, you know, I'm looking at your stuff online right now. It's an incredible thing you do. Um, but you have to you have to – you have to have a little bit of a checks and balance system in this thing. I like RPI. I do. I'm a fan of it. I mean, it's not always perfect, like you said, but any time that the, you're dealing with this type of money in this organization um, and this type of talent with these teams, I mean, it, it's difficult either way. Yeah, it is. And then I don't think they can ever make a system that is perfect that will give us exactly what we want, but they can come close. I just don't know how. <laughs> Shelby, uh, let's take a look here at the locals. Like to do this each and every week, get an updated look at the resumes. Let's start 
with Iowa State. They go on the road, get a road victory. We certainly know the importance of that for the resume. They're up to a number 5 seed now in your latest bracketology at bracketwag.com. Cyclones get the road win. What that means for the resume, and, and you look at them and their chances of you know staying in that top half at the very least of the bracket. Well, it, it helped because it they they lost four or five, mm-hmm. and so it kind of you know breaks that streak so to speak, uh, gets their team confidence back. But it's a, Oklahoma State's kind of an unknown. They, they're not going anywhere this year. They're not playing. Not eligible for the tournament. So. They don't have much incentive except wins and losses, and I, you know, they they pulled some upsets. They beat some good teams, um, but that, I think that was really big for Iowa State just to get them back on track. For Iowa, they currently sit right in the middle of the seven seed range. You have them as a number seven seed, twenty seven overall on your true seed list uh, currently for the Hawkeyes. Of course, a monster one tonight. They get Purdue coming in, it'd be a quality victory, and you know at the end of the season it'll still be a quality victory. But maybe more importantly, it'd also be their first quad one victory of the season. They got a bunch against quad two. They don't have any bad losses on the resume, but picking up a win like that, what does that do for the Hawkeyes' resume if they can get it done? Well, that, it, like you said, they have no quad one win, and the, the committee puts a value on that. And so to get a quad one win against Purdue, especially who is seen as a top five, top ten team, that would uh, that's that's the kind of thing that'll move the needle. That'll bump them up to six seed at least. Could could be a five, but I'd, I'd be happy if I'm them being a six right now. Uh, but confidence wise, it'd be great. Loyola takes a loss over the weekend to Missouri State. As we look at the MVC, we talked about this last week with you, Shelby, where. Ultimately, for it to be a two-bid league, you need the Loyola to play really well and then lose in the semifinals or championship, and somebody else gets the automatic bid. How many more losses, though, can Loyola afford during the regular season to still feel confident about being an at-large team? One, maybe two. And and Missouri State was a good good loss if they're going to have one. It was at home, which hurts, but it was to a team that's, that's metrically pretty good. They, you know, they don't stack up with the wins like others do, but they got 14, 15 wins. And so it was not just, it wasn't Indiana State or something like that. They, uh, they can afford to lose maybe another one to them, to Missouri State, if they play them again. Uh, but uh, somebody that is looking at the, the committee views as a good team, uh, whether they're tournament worthy or not, it, I don't think that matters. But don't go losing to the last place mm-hmm. team uh, or next to last whatever. Don't don't make that your next loss. Yeah, they can't lose to Indiana State. They can't lose mm-hmm. to Evansville, and they can't lose in the first round of the conference tournament either. Yeah. They have to do do some damage uh, down in St. Louis. But Loyola is primed and ready to go win a few games in March. I think so. I think so too. They they last few weeks they've had some games where they've been down big, but they fall back and won. And I don't know if they're toying with opponents or what, but they need to cut that out and just get the win. So uh, we got a comment on Twitter, got a kick out of this one, just because it kind of shows people when they look at these brackets what it is. And it's Illini fans saying, well, the Illini had killed your Dukies right now. You have the Illini as a five seed. You have Duke as a number two seed. But this is, again, just a representation 
of how you believe the committee would do it. It's not how you rank teams. Yeah. It's not how your top 25 looks or your top 68, whatever it is. This is how you believe the NCAA tournament puts it together. And this is about resume, right? Not just about what's right. happening right now. Right. I, I think that's what people don't seem to understand is this is not how I would do it. Now, I might not be far off, but I'm trying to guess what the committee of 10 people will do. And trying to guess how 10 people are going to vote in that room is is tough. I, I have Duke as a two seed, and they're probably going to fall to a three. They don't have a chance for too many more really big yeah. wins. The reality of the ACC this year, just how bad it is, could we be looking at a 2-3 bid ACC here? Is that a realistic possibility or ultimately do you anticipate not just Duke but a couple other teams separate themselves and put together a good enough resume? Maybe Miami, one of those teams, a nice road win for them last night at Vatek. Yeah, I've got Duke up in the top half of the bracket and all the other ACC teams I have in are down in that 10, 11, 12 range. There's an outside shot. Duke could be the only team. I don't think that'll happen. But I think three or four is probably accurate. Yeah, you know, Miami's for sure getting in. They're playing really good basketball yeah. right now as well. Um, I'm I'm completely flabbergasted at what's going on in Louisville. We need to talk yeah. about what's going on down there um, for our listeners. I mean, he's out. Chris coach. I mean, it's it's crazy what's going on down there. But, you know, you can't lose to Georgia Tech. You can't lose to Virginia Tech. North Carolina State, I mean, you can't lose to those groups either. I think ACC is, they're on the rebound. I mean, maybe it's the John Shire recruit all these five stars. But, I mean, I, I've been a little disappointed with the ACC the last couple of years. Yeah, they, they've really uh, stunk it up, so to speak. And this year, especially, they're, you know, they're, it's not only say top heavy, but you've got one team that's showing they're uh, legit, and all the others are just there. Uh, you look at Miami. Miami's having a good year, but look at where they're ranking in that around sixty-five, mm-hmm. something like that. So I don't think any other team has an easy, easy road to get in. Um, but West Coast Conference and Mountain West could send more teams. Than ACC. Probably a little bit too early to get this one. We're talking with Shelby Master right now, bracketologist for USA Today. Shelby, it's a question, though, that comes up every single year as we'll be flipping the calendar next week to February. The bubble. I, I look at your last teams in right now. Wyoming. I like that Wyoming team. Florida State, been impressed by them. Of course, have the big win against Duke. Oregon, inconsistent but talented in Belmont. All right, that's pretty good. But then you look at the first four teams out. North Carolina, They've been brutal in stretches. Texas A&M's got a lot of wins, nothing of quality. SMU, Arkansas, Stanford, Minnesota, Notre Dame. These are not very good teams. It lends the question, Shelby, is the bubble going to be bad again this year? Are we looking at a year of a strong bubble in your mind? Uh, I think we're going to have a weak bubble. Uh, I think in most years, teams like Arkansas, SMU, with their resumes, wouldn't really be considered too strongly, Mm -hmm. but we have lack of options. We've got to have 68 teams, so I've got them close but not in. Um, I don't know why it is, but there's this is the first time since, man, maybe ever, that I have eliminated from consideration some ACC teams, (laughs) Big Ten. I've I've eliminated several Power Five teams, and that just doesn't happen. 
Yeah, crossing them off early just shows you the difficult nature of it. John, you got anything else for Shelby? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I love how you have to predict some of these conference uh, tournament winners. I mean, it's never easy, but I've been very impressed with the Mountain West. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that group is top to bottom unbelievable. Boise State is winning. They're playing a very high level. Um, I was watching Nevada, Colorado State for a client the other day. High level basketball, very good guards in that league. You know, San Diego State's never, never easy to mess with. I like the Mountain West. I think that group uh, will have a couple late tournament runs. I really do. Yeah, I think so. I think what hurts them is playing on the western half of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And if the committee does what they say they do and watch every single game, then the Mountain West should be fine. But if they just skip over them because it's the Mountain West and they're out west, then they could be in trouble. So three, four teams from the Mountain West, three, four teams from the WCC is that's kind of where we're trending right now. It feels like Shelby. I think so, and that, and they're legit. I mean, I don't, I'm not putting them in because of lack of options. I'm putting them in because I feel like they deserve it. It's going to be fun. Shelby Mass as he does each and every week, joining us as we talk college basketball and taking a look at the bracket. Shelby, as always, appreciate your time. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Shelby. Thank you. Shelby Mast here with us. So you can find his uh, all his updated bracket every single night he updates it, bracketwag.com. You know what WAG stands for? Tell me. Wild ass gas. Hey, I like him. I like his I like his southern draw. I yes. mean he is detailed with this thing. He's a, a surgeon with these picks. It's very impressive what he does down there. So he's got Iowa State as a five seed. They're the lowest ranked five seed, if you will, closer to the six seed line. Uh he has them. Right now, with a road trip out to Milwaukee. I think a few Cyclone fans would make that trip. Taking on the winner of the Florida State-Wyoming playing game out in Dayton. On the other side of the bracket, LSU with uh, Toledo as the 13th seed. LSU is a 4 seed, and, well, uh, what was it? Your boy down there at LSU. Will Wade, baby. Will Wade, what did he say? Just American gangster. Come in with a big-ass offer? Hey, he gets a job done. <laughs> he could do does. it a whole bunch of ways. You know, we got everything going on. We got Chris Mack getting fired because he had... That weird thing that happened with Dino Gaudio during the offseason where, I mean, they're video, they're taping each other and Gaudio's asking for all his money and he says he's going to go to the NCAA. But Chris Mack, when he was hired at Louisville, going from his alma mater, Xavier, good program, he took them to another level. Eight tournaments in nine years, got him as a number one seed, three six, sweet 16s, an elite eight, and he's going to Louisville, a program that is blue blood. Mm-hmm. How didn't it work? I don't know. I think there's, you know, I think it's kind of a, I don't want to use the term Urban Meyer-ish, but I think he could never get his, you know, hands on the leash. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always some turmoil, something going on. There's always, you know, something popping up. He has players. He, he's getting players. I mean, you know, the whole video thing where, you know, Dino was trying to extort him for, was it 10K or something like yeah. that? Um, over propositioning these players before the NIL happens to work them through a marketing campaign. I mean, it's almost kind of comical now when we see where we're at in, in, in the current state, but I don't know. I mean, Louisville, they have as, so many resources. When I played at, uh, at Moorhead State in Kentucky, we played Louisville three times. We played Freedom Hall. I mean, it's beautiful. The KFC Yum Center, it's unbelievable. They love basketball in that town, in that entire state. Um, people want him to win, so I, I wish the best for him. I know he's a stand-up guy, and he works his players really hard, but... I, I'm I'm kind of flabbergasted. I don't I don't know why it didn't work in Louisville. We'll take time out when we come back. You mentioned NIL. I want to get your perspective on this, John. Uh oh, runs beyond ball and the grassroots system. Want to get your perspective? What college coaches are doing programming? Of course, we got 
Graham McCaffrey coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. That's all still to come as we come back on the other side with more. It's Miller and Condon, John Lamb, Trent Condon here with you on a Thursday on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. 1-800-BETS-OFF. Miller and Condon on KXNO. Trent Condon joined today by John Lamb. John will also be with us tomorrow. We'll recap what we see tonight over in Iowa City. You're having me back? Well, we'll see. Did you you ask my wife? Make sure that's okay? No, should I? Yeah, we might want to. Okay. Will I get the thumbs up? I think so. She likes likes me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a good guy. Yeah, for the most part. John uh, Rudds, of course, Handel University and Beyond Ball, a grassroots basketball program, uh, youth level across the state, playing big tournaments and across the nation year after year. So, John, you just mentioned it kind of in passing NIL, and I want to get your perspective on it. As somebody that works, trains, cultivates these youngsters, both boys and girls, as they're going through the process of becoming a basketball player, what are they being sold right now? What What is for be at the top-level guys or down to you know, a guy that is just getting a shot at the D1, D2 level and is not a top 100 player. What are coaches at the collegiate level talking to these youngsters about NIL? Well, you know, they're being sold products and at being sold as advertising, basically. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't think there's too many coaches that are, like, pursuing going out there to find deals for the players. A lot of these are kind of uh, transcendent through their relationships they have. Um, their marketability on campus, you know, things like that. You know, we're four months in on the NIL, and as of right now, before taxes, the average Division One basketball player, football player, um, you know, hockey, but whatever, is about six hundred eighty-six dollars. Okay. Okay. The Division Two levels sixty-eight dollars before taxes, and the Division Three levels thirty-five dollars before taxes. So there's not as much money out there as as one would think. You know, when there was such a you know an uproar about this transition to ma- letting players get paid to play and this whole nil deal um it's not as big as you think you know if if you're going through with the percentages 47 percent of of the nil deals go to football players and this is what i'm really excited about 27.3 percent of these nil deals are going to women basketball players oh that's great i think it's fantastic you know we have one in our state that's you know unbelievable uh uh, lebron james of, of women's basketball if you will not that I like LeBron James, but just a good comparison. Ooh, that might be a conversation for later. Oh, we don't want to do the whole NBA, Michael Jordan, LeBron James thing. Yeah, we might. We might. I've got a little old school in my blood, TC. All right, you know that. all right. And then 15% of those NIL deals overall are, are men's basketball. So it's it's really difficult. I, I was always under the impression if if there's a car dealership in town, you know, come come help me sell some cars. Come sign some autographs. Mm-hmm. Um, before this, you know, Kentucky, one of my clients I had was Malik Monk for a little while. And, you know, they pay them afterwards for an autograph signing, you know. Now the bag's a little bigger down south in, sure. in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. um, but really just advertisement. It's kind of a mixture of, you know, like we said, your marketability and then your social media presence. And then more than anything, you got to perform. 
You know, you have to perform out there. And what these kids, I don't think, know um, is, you know, if you don't perform, that money's going back. Yeah. You know, and, and then you got to pay taxes on it. So I'm, I'm hopeful that if coaches are doing anything, they're kind of educating them on financial literacy and how to manage this money, even though it's not a lot. But it's a great start. You're a college kid. You get an extra thousand bucks a month, whatever, six hundred eighty six dollars. I mean, that's a lot of bush light. Yeah, it is. I could have used an extra $686 a month back in college, and yeah, I probably would all went to push light. <laughs> well, John, we're going to talk on the other side with Fran McCaffrey. Really excited about this. Uh, get a chance to talk to Fran right before the matchup with Purdue. Tough matchup. They got those big dudes inside. We'll get into that. And a little bit more with Fran McCaffrey. Excited for the conversation to kick off our number two. We'll come back with that on the other side. We'll get to know John Lamb a little bit more also in the second hour. And don't go anywhere because late in the program, it's my picks of the day presented by Circus Sports. Let's see if we can make a little cash we'll ourselves. Make a little money. That's what we're going to be trying to do. Got a slate of college basketball games. And on my list right now is that Iowa-Purdue game. The Hawkeyes, a two-and-a-half point short dog at home against Purdue. Fran McCaffrey joins us next as we take you to noon. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO.